Let me, let me just read this text really quick. Uh, and me saying really quick, really quick means absolutely nothing, but let me, let me just read this text, read this text. This is Luke chapter 24, uh, and I'm just going to ask you to keep standing while I read this text, and then you can have your seats. Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. Now the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day, rise again then they remembered his words and returning from the tomb and told all those things to the eleven and all the rest it was mary magdalene joanna mary the mother of james and other women with them who told these things to the apostles check this church and their words seemed to them like idle tales and they did not believe them, but Peter arose and ran to the tomb. And stooping down, he saw the linen cloth lying, clothes, sorry, cloth lying by themselves. And he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. Let me just repeat into your hearing verse number five and part of verse number six. Why do you seek the living among the dead he is not here for he has risen i want to speak to you from a sermon i've entitled for the next few minutes here to remember not to pay your respects you are here to remember not to pay your respects you may have your seats. Church, before I get into my text this morning, I, 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 I just want to take the opportunity to say welcome to all our visiting friends, guests, and those who are here with us. If you've been visiting with us for some time, we are so grateful that you have chosen to do so for something uh, uh, that you have seen and something that has been done, hopefully something even that has been said, has brought you time and time again uh, to be with us as we worship God, as we fellowship together. And if this is your first time, I just want to take again the opportunity to welcome you. And I pray, hope, and trust that your stay today, uh, for as brief a time as it may be, may 
be so impactful that you may be inclined to visit next week and the week after that and the week after that until eventually you uh, are known as members of the Antioch Church of Christ. And so as I always do, if you are a visitor here with us and this is your first time, I just want to make this disclaimer right off the bat and all of my Antiochians could, could attest to this. If you are visiting with us for the first time and somebody here does not treat you with kindness, I want you to conclude that they are not members of the Antioch Church of Christ. All right, so uh, if, if, if somebody does that, you just conclude, they, they, they are visitors just like you, and, and they aren't members of the Antioch Church of Christ. I also wanna take the opportunity before we engage in our text on this morning, just uh, to bring to thought and to let them know that they are in our prayers, some special people who are going through a very difficult time uh, right now. We wanna remember the Beard family, uh, it was on Good Friday night as we began singing here roughly around the time of 6.45 p.m. Uh, as soon as the very first words of the very first song was being sung, our, our friend and brother William Beard <coughs> received a call that his dearly beloved sister had passed away. Uh, and so we want to remember the Beard family, but not only did his sister pass away and that funeral is going to be taking place on this evening, uh, but on, on Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday evening into the nighttime, uh, we got word that his brother-in-law, this is the husband of his youngest sister, uh, he too passed away as well. So uh, we want to remember the, the, the Beard family in prayer as they go through just this very difficult time. Uh, and we also want to keep in thought, mind, and prayer both the Grimes as well as the Morris family. Uh, the Grimes family would have lost a dearly beloved one recently in the person of Sister Peggy Grimes. Uh, and now the Morris family is preparing uh, as their, their mother, the, the bulwark. I know, I know that that's an old English word, but the, uh, the backbone, so to speak, of, of, of that family, Sister Janine Morris uh, is transitioning from life to life. Uh, and so uh, they believe any day now she is, is going to take her last breath uh, on this side and take her first breaths on the other. And so please keep uh, Janet, uh, I, I know it's Janet, but I call her Janet. I just like the French version of the name. Um, so keep uh, Janet uh, and all of the family keep uh, Gina, uh, if you hear me say Gianna, you know who I'm talking about, it's Gina. Uh, please keep Gina and her family as well in thought and prayer, all right? So uh, if you don't mind, just bow with me as we go to God and pray. Father, we come before you at this time. <clears throat> and I, I just want to say from the onset, I, I hate death. I think I speak for all of us in, in saying that we hate death. But we're so grateful that you have given us the victory. Father, death will not have the final say. But in as much as we know this, it still hurts because we are human beings. It still hurts because these are people that we have grown to know and to love and spend time with on this side of heaven. 
So, Father, we ask you for strength. We ask you for comfort. And we pray that you give us the peace that we need as many who are in our midst right now and certainly our entire congregation do and are in a state of mourning, God. We pray for the Beard family, Father. We love this family and we pray that if there is anything that we could do to be of support that we would, of course, do so. But we pray for them on today as they prepare themselves to pay their last respects. I pray that you give them the strength, you give them the courage, and that even in this moment of loss, that they could see Christ in all of this. Father, we pray for the Grimes and for the Morris family as well as they not only mourn the loss of a loved one, but now as they prepare, Father, to to say their final farewells for now. We just ask that you give them the strength and the courage to be at their mama's side and you give mama the courage, sister Janine the courage to know that she is in good hands. So Father, on today we bless your name because as we have read in your scripture and we conclude in our minds and our hearts, we don't serve a a dead God, but we serve a living one. So, Father, we praise you, we honor you, we give you all of the glory and all of the praise. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Here to remember, not pay your respects. The horror of the crucifixion has passed. But the shock of that event is still there. The hostilities that were experienced, the screaming, the fear, the turmoil, all of the tears and all of the wonderings are on repeat. Like a bad dream that is relived and replayed every single minute of every single day. The Messiah, the Rabbi, <clears throat> the Beloved One, Yeshua, has been killed. It's only been three days. The larger group that had scattered but a couple days earlier has now come together no doubt to mourn and to console each other to make sense as best as they could about all that has transpired the shock church is is still so gripping that even though the messiah has been risen people are still in disbelief and shell-shocked. If I were to put a, a modern vernacular category to this, it's, they would have been suffering from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. The danger has passed, and even though they are safe, they, 
they are still ducking for cover. The pain has gone, but still they, they relive it as if it was very much present. So they are gripped and they are shell-shocked. But Jesus not only talked to them about his death, remember this, he, he assured them of his resurrection while he was yet with them alive. As a matter of fact, God had been preparing the world for Jesus' coming since the fall of man back in the Garden of Eden. So Yeshua, that's Jesus by the way, Yeshua had been preparing them. And I, I, I want to take my time with this. Yeshua has been preparing them, teaching them for the past three years. Helping them to get ready for this very moment. But the shock is too great. It's just too much. But our text today is centered on resurrection day it's that day it's it's the third day it's the day that Jesus assured them would come for he said I would die but on the third day I would rise again the day that he would prove that death and the grave have no power over him but he has all power over it has come. Paul in Romans 1 and verse number 4 would express it this way that it, is, it was this day that he, Jesus, was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Our text is centered on resurrection day. Church, it's the first day of the week. It's the day after the Sabbath. In a philosophical sense, it's the eighth day. Let me repeat that one more time. It's the first day of the week. It's the day after the Sabbath. And in a philosophical sense, it's the eighth day. What does that mean, Brother Morgan? Let me share with you some concepts. The, the first day of the week, not only is it a new day, but the beginning of a new week with new possibilities and potential. God is saying to us, don't waste the time living in the past, especially over things you have no control over. An old preacher of mine used to put it this way. Yesterday is in the tomb. Tomorrow is in the womb. All we have is today and we need to live today. Choose to live today in faith and not fear. So it's the first day of the week. But not only is it the first day of the week. I mean... I'm in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12, if you don't know if it's, it's not only the first day of the week, but it's the day after the Sabbath. What does that mean? From a symbolic sense, I need for us to get this because when you go back to the book of Genesis, the scripture said that God would have done his creative work in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. But then as this concept of rest makes its way into the law, man would have six days to labor, but on the seventh day, they would rest. The day after the Sabbath symbolized it was time to go back to work. It's not only the first day of the week, 
But it's the day after the Sabbath. Jesus went into the grave on Friday. He followed the law by keeping Sabbath on Saturday. But on Sunday, the first day of the week, the day after Sabbath, it was time to get back to work. I, I don't know if this makes sense to you, but, but from a symbolic nature, Jesus, God, was showing that my work is not yet finished. It's time for us to begin something anew. But not only is it the first day of the week that represents a, a new day, a, a new beginning, a, with new possibilities and new potential. Not only does, is it the day after the Sabbath, it's time to get back to work, but it's symbolically, philosophically, ph philosophically speaking, it's the eighth day. The eighth day is symbolic of a regeneration. You are about to begin, you are about to start a journey, the likes of which you have never seen before. It's a new dawn, it's a new time, it's a new thing, it's a new place, it's a new path, it's a new beginning of sorts. So it's the eighth day. That which was before is no longer, but I'm bringing you and I'm ushering you into something that is new. I'm bringing you into new horizons. I'm bringing you a new perspective. I'm, I'm bringing you a new mentality. I'm giving you a fresh start and a new hope. It's the eighth day. So our text is found within the context of the first day of the week. It's resurrection day. It's the day after the Sabbath. It's time for us to get back to work. But also it's the eighth day. It's symbolic of a new beginning in the relationship between man and God. God and man. Our text church reveals something so beautiful about Jesus that it, it just brings comfort to me. And as we continue to see Jesus in his role as Messiah, as Rabbi, and as Savior. So Luke chapter 24 verses 1 through 12, and I'm going to try to do this as fast as I can. Just hold on with me, but uh, in Luke chapter number 12, let me just canvas this with you. Early Sunday morning, the woman came to the burial place, and they found the stone rolled away and the tomb empty. Scripture says that they were perplexed. That's verse number four. Now, lest you think they didn't know about the resurrection, the angels that appeared reminded them of the very words of Jesus in verse number seven, in that he told them that I must be delivered to sinful men. They're going to kill me, but I will rise again on the third day. The very next verse in verse number eight would utter the words, then they remembered his words. They came with spices and they came with herbs as a means of paying their respects to the king. But they didn't realize they were coming to do one thing when God was expecting to do something else. And church, if we're not careful, we could come to this place coming to put uh, or give our respects. When God is saying, I'm not asking you to come here to pay your respects to me. You only repay your respects to something and someone that's dead. But you have come here to remember the exclamation of verses 1 through 12 is actually in the angels check this interrogation of them and their proclamation to them here in verse 5 and 6 
is the foundation on which every single Christian, every single person of faith puts their confidence. We find first the interrogation. What's the interrogation? That's, that's the question that these men would have asked them. Why do you seek the living among the dead? If you don't mind, I'm just going to take my time for a little bit. Jesus is in the business of giving life to the dead, not living with it. Let me repeat that one more time. Jesus is in the business, Ryan, of giving life to the dead, not living with the dead. John 11 verse 25 and 26, we recall this scene so vividly in our minds when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. He gets to a place in, in the text where he's approaching uh, you know, you know, their place and Martha runs out and she has a conversation with him. Lord, if you had been here, my, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said, he, you know, he'll rise again, Martha. And Martha, Martha says to him, Lord, I know he'll rise again on the last day, on that day. Jesus said, listen, I need for you to understand something, Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he may die, yet he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? In other words, Jesus was saying to Martha, I am, you're looking at what you're looking for. You're talking to what you're talking about. Lord, I know he'll rise in, in, on a certain day. No, no, no. You are looking at resurrection. Resurrection isn't a day. Resurrection is a person. Resurrection is not a day, it's a deity. You are looking at resurrection himself. Jesus is in the business of giving life to the dead, not living with it. What about Ephesians chapter number 2 and, and, and verse number 1 through 5? And you, he had made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and in your sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the loss of the flesh, fulfilling desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as others were. But he says, but God, but God, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he, he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses and in our sins made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. Grace is within the confines of the verse given as the reason by which one is saved in other words grace is seen there as the reason or the agent of bringing life but i need for us to appreciate grace is not just a thing it's a person if jesus is the resurrection and jesus is the life i need for us to appreciate that jesus is also the embodiment of grace and here is one thing i learned about grace and goyo was goyo so eloquently said this a, a few weeks ago grace is often defined as unmerited favor. Let me, let me show you how this works in, in a relationship of love. When you love somebody, every gift that you give, there's no such thing as unmerited favor. 
It's not a matter of, well, I didn't work for this, so I didn't deserve it. No, no, no. When you love someone, when you buy a gift for someone you love and you give a gift to somebody you love, it's not a matter of who's worthy and who's unworthy. But the gift is given simply because of the love that you have for the individual. But we often look at it from the humanistic standpoint that this grace is given because we aren't worthy of it, unmerited favor. But the, the, the truth of grace defined simply is the gift of God. Let me, let me share this with you so I can move on really quick because I'm trying to get to somewhere really quick. Let, let, me, let me show this with you. This tells me that, that not even death could stand against the gift of God. Death has no place when God is present. Jesus is in the business of giving life, church to the dead not living with it first Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19 Paul would say this what know ye not that you your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which you have of God and you are not your own church if the Holy Spirit is in you if the Holy Spirit is in us then by no means are we dead if the Holy Spirit is moving in us, then it means that, that we are alive and no situation that we encounter because we have the Holy Spirit is ever truly dead. For where God is, there is life. Where Jesus is, he brings life to dead things. You, you, you might think you are lost, but if you have God, he gives you life. You might think your marriage is dead, but with God, your marriage can be made alive. You could think that your situation is dead, but with God, your situation can be brought to life. Because Jesus is not in the business. I hope you're getting this. Jesus is not in the business of living with dead things. He's in the business of giving life to that which is dead. That should make you happy. That, that, that should make you smile. That, that, that should give you something to bounce in your seat about because I, I understand I was lost in my sin, which translates to me being dead in my sin, but because of God, because of Jesus, I have life. I don't always get it right, but I have life. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm made alive. I might stumble and fall from time to time. I, I don't know about you, but I stumble and fall from time to time, but, but he picks me up and he turns me around and he places my feet, the old folks would say, on solid ground. Because we serve a God at it's not in the business of living with dead things. Rather, he's in the business of giving life to that which is dead. They forgot, and we do sometimes. They forgot, and in so doing, they came to the tomb to pay their respects. Sometimes we forget, and we come to the assembly to pay our respects to God. I know that's true because all you need to do sometimes is just look at the atmosphere. Mm. 
There's a difference between a funeral and a birthday party. If, if the Titans ever were to win the Super Bowl, <laughs> you will know the difference between a, pro, a procession if the quarterback or the coach passes away yes. and the difference between the Titans celebration parade. Yes, because there's a difference when you come to pay your respects versus coming to remember. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna share this with you and I'll be done. Yes, so sometimes I think we forget. And in forgetting, we we come in a posture. They they hurried to make their way to the tomb. In the first instance, to pay their respects. But when Peter hurries to come to the tomb. It's for a different purpose. So you could hurry to come and be a part of the assembly. For one thing, when God is saying, I, I don't want you to come and pay your respects. I want you to come so that you could remember. Lest you forget what I said. You come together so that you could remember what I've said. I said to you that I was going to come on this earth and I would die and I would be buried and, and rose again. I said that to you. Praise God. I, I said to you that I won't be able to stay, but I will send another comforter, the Holy Spirit, who, who will remind you of all truth. Re remember that I said to you that when I return to my father, I will come again. On a certain day, no man know the time, nor the hour, nor the hour, but I have said to you, I'm not here right now, but I'm going to come again. So when you come together, don't come to pay your respects, rather come together to remember. Remember that he died. Remember that he rose. Remember that he ascended, but check this, remember he's going to come back. So when you come together, it's, it's to remember, not merely to just show your respects. It's, it's not a funeral procession because you only have a funeral procession for the dead. I, I, I hope you get, if, if there's any funeral procession to be had, it's our own funeral procession because we who were once dead are now made alive, but I need for us to appreciate this. We do not serve church a dead God. I know he did die, but he did rise again. Notice what the angel said. It's not, they didn't say he has risen. They said he is. Lazarus had risen. Jesus is risen. If they had said he had risen, it would imply that there was going to come a time again where he will go back into the grave. They didn't say he had risen. They said, they uttered the words. It's a variant of when Jesus said, I am the resurrection. They uttered the words, he is. I am that I am. 
Yeshua. Though he was slain, is very much alive. Because Jesus is in the business of giving life to dead things, not living with it. Because of time, let me just share this with you. So not only do we have the interrogation, why do you seek the living amongst the dead? But now we have the proclamation. The proclamation is, he is risen. This is a war cry. This is a rallying cry. It's an indication that the tide of the battle has been turned. There comes a point in a battle when a battle might seem to be lost and it's going down the tubes and, and the soldiers start to disperse and go their way until some event takes place and all of a sudden there is a cry, there is a battle sound, there is something, an indication that the tide is being turned and so people who might have been turning their backs to run away, now they are making their way to come back again together and make a push and so the cry is going to be advance, advance advance he is risen is a rally cry it's a war cry it's a battle cry it's a declaration that death cannot and will not have the last say for church he is risen i don't know about you but i, I need to be done right there he is risen could, could you say that into your spirit he is risen could you assure yourself of that he is risen come on say what's up he is he is, he is risen that 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 tells me something and i need to be done right here that tells me that that though the victory the victory is won the battle is still raging so here comes the messiah here comes yeshua and he makes his rally call he is risen that's a call to the, to the disciples who were shell-shocked to shake themselves up and get back into the game. That's a call to the disciples who were fearful and who were mesmerized to shake themselves up to remember who they serve. That's a call to us to, to shake ourselves up in the midst of all of the madness that's taken place to remember that there is a victory that's won but a battle that's still raging. That's a cry that says he is. He is. He is Amen. risen. Yes, so church, it's, it's that day. It's the first day of the week. Yes, that simply means it's new possibilities and potential ahead. All right. All right. Church, it's, it's the day after the Sabbath. That, that, that simply means that we've, we've rested as God intended, but now it's time to get back to work. But not only is it the first day of the week. Not only is it the day after the Sabbath, but guess what? It's the eighth day. It's the dawn of a new time and a new age where Christ will rule from now and forevermore. He is risen.